This is A Drink with a Friend. I'm Tish Oxenreiter. And consider this episode a little drink with you and me as friends, because I'm flying solo for this episode. Seth is off doing Thanksgiving family things, so it's you and me. And I'm really looking forward to this because I've been wanting to actually unpack a few of my thoughts about the upcoming season we are uh, barreling right towards, and that is Advent. Now, whether you're a seasoned Advent adherent or a barely even heard of it curious onlooker, Advent really is for everybody. It's for every single one of us. But I'm going to share why that's the case and why it's true of the rest of the liturgical calendar as well, and why it's really a gift to us, even in, and I would argue, especially in our insanely busy and our information-packed world that we live in now. I'm going to unpack a few of my thoughts and then follow it with a brief introduction to the season, pairing it with an excerpt from my book, Shadow and Light. So this is going to be a short and sweet episode, a little, consider it a chaser to your Thanksgiving feast, and I hope it's meaningful to you and that if you know of someone who perhaps wants to dip their toes into Advent but doesn't know where to begin, that this episode might be a welcome primer for them. Okay, so as I said, Advent is almost here. At the time of this uh, recording, it is December 3rd meaning Advent is a few days after this upcoming Sunday. Advent is always the fourth Sunday before Christmas. And if you're listening to this sometime in the future, Advent next year, 2024, is December 1st. In 2025, it's November 30th. In 2026, it's November 29th, and so on. So it always changes date-wise, but it's always the fourth Sunday before Christmas. So what is Advent? What does it mean? If you're like me, for most of your life, you thought of it simply as a countdown to Christmas, and you connected it with those calendars that you can find at grocery stores where you punch off the little cardboard, you know, perforated boxes, and you find some chocolate inside. That's what I had thought of as Advent for all of my childhood and for a good chunk of my early adulthood as well. Well, Let's talk about what it actually is. The word Advent comes from Adventus, which means arrival or um, anticipation of some sort. It is a season of preparation for the Feast of Christmas Tide, yes, which, by the way, is 12 days long, which we can talk about in a minute. But it's also an inward and communal preparation, meaning we use the season as a time of remembering that Christ came here on earth 2,000 plus years ago, and also that Christ will come again and make all things new. And the idea of the inward and communal preparation is regarding the idea of making sure we are prepared for this in all its many ways. So in this regard, Advent is an already not yet season. So what I mean by that is it brings both the past, as in Christ's historic birth, And the future, as in Christ's eventual return and our full renewal, into the present day. So when we recognize Advent, we are remembering both the past and the future in the present. This season, first, we at least know it was recognized officially in the late 500s by the global church. So it's a very old uh, season, and it 
rests in tandem with the rest of the liturgical calendar. And in fact, it is the new year of the liturgical calendar. So it is not entirely uncouth to say Happy New Year on the first day of Advent. Now, what do I mean by liturgical calendar? This too was a thing that I was completely unfamiliar with in my growing up years. So if this is you, take heart. The liturgical calendar is a cyclical calendar of the church. And it exists to help us communally move from the anticipated arrival of Jesus Christ on earth as a baby, aka Advent and then Christmas, all the way through Christ's ascension and the church's birth in the season of Pentecost. And then that is followed by a long season called ordinary time. And that's when we recognize, among other things, a season of personal and communal growth. The calendar was formed organically as early as the second century, as far as we can tell, as a natural outflow of the Jewish way of life, of recognizing fasting and feasting seasons. This was just their MO for thousands and thousands of years. And since the birth of the church came through uh, the Jewish people and its culture, it makes sense that it would be a natural next step to continue that uh, that custom. So the calendar, the the 12-month cyclical calendar, is a beautiful gift because it asks us to participate in a communal and personal recognition of remembrance. And I'll get to that in a minute, what that word actually means, because it's more than just remembering your to-do lists or to make dinner or to pick up, you know, the dry cleaning. The calendar is also a lot. So we've got the major holidays like Christmas and Easter, but there are also a ton of saints' days and a lot of days that recognize certain historic events. There is literally something every single day. Every single day of the liturgical calendar is something. This can feel really overwhelming. I like how Kristen Hawkinson has said it. She says, the calendar can quickly turn into an exhausting treadmill of checkboxes rather than serving as a spiritual formation tool. These beautiful holy days can become a demanding cacophony if we're not mindful. And that has absolutely been my experience as well. And if you've read my Advent book, Shadow and Light, I talk a little bit about that, about my interest in incorporating Advent into our family's life and how my first uh, attempts at this felt very much like that. Like I was trying to check a list of um, happy seasonal festivities that just left me burnt out by Christmas. And then we've got Christmas tide, which is 12 full days, and it just felt like I was going to lose my mind. Well, well, back to what I was saying just a minute ago, Jewish customs and feast days, they were all about remembering God's protection on them as a people. So the point, the, the overarching point of the liturgical calendar is helping us remember And in many ways, you could say it's re-remembering because this is cyclical, right? We do this year after year. And I love that it taps into our humanity this way, right? Because we need remembrance often. We need to be reminded of true, good, and beautiful things all the time. So remembering isn't just remembering to do things. It's actually a form of being. It's a form of bringing something back to life. So if you think of the opposite of the word dismembering, which is 
taking apart. Remembering is putting it back together. So the liturgical calendar is helping us remember the things that actually matter eternally in our life, such as the birth of Christ, the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, and the birth of the church, et cetera, et cetera, as well as all the inward participations, the the inward participatory postures that we are called to take in each season. So the calendar is made up largely, in addition to the ordinary time days, it's made up of basically seasons of fasting and feasting. And one of the beautiful things I love about the calendar is that fasting is always followed by feasting. In other words, fasting isn't fasting for no point. It is always a form of preparation, of penance. And so in that regard, since Advent precedes Christmas, Advent could be seen as sort of a time of fasting. It's it's in some ways a lightweight Lent. It is a form of preparation. Now, it's not quite the sense of penance that maybe one associates with Lent, but it is a little bit of a mini penance because we are fasting from the things that feel so important, urgent, and um, and essential to us in our modern era. So you could think of Advent as a form of fasting from busyness, fasting from needless spending, from outward concern. And instead, embracing a posture of slowing down, simplifying, and inward preparation. And if you think about it, that's basically the literal opposite of the traditional, quote, Christmas season that our culture participates in. When you think of the Christmas season, you know, which I guess some people associate with December 1st through 24th. I don't know about you, but the last thing I think of is slowing down, simplifying, and inward preparation. It's exactly the opposite. It's a lot of busyness on the calendar. It's a lot of excess spending. It's a lot of outward concern. What will the neighbors think if my house is not decorated just so? Or what is this family gathering going to be like? So Advent invites us to, in many ways, swim upstream during the season leading up to Christmas. And as I said, fasting always uh, precedes feasting, or another way to put that, a, a more hopeful way to put that perhaps, is that feasting always follows fasting. The season after Advent is Christmastide, and it is 12 full days. It begins on December 25th, and it goes 12 days after. Um, and then we um, get Epiphany right after that on the 12th, after the 12th night. And so we have 12 days of feasting following it. And so in order to prepare for such a feast, if you imagine having someone important coming over for company, you would do things like clean the house. You would make sure you have all the ingredients well in advance. You would tidy up the corners. You would clear the cobwebs. And you might even sit down your kids and explain, you know, the queen is coming over. This is how we act. This is how we greet our guests. This is how we this is how we serve them as company. And that's what we're doing in many ways with Advent. We are preparing for Christ's arrival by clearing our souls, clearing our hearts. Yes, clearing our homes in some ways, right? We are maybe decluttering some of those toys because we know the kids are going to get new things. We are making room for a Christmas tree and we're decorating. And so in many ways we are inviting company over a big 
you know, a, an important, important guest over for company. So yes, it is preparation for Christmas, but it is more so an inward preparation and it's a communal preparation. It's a recognition that Christ did come and join us in human flesh in real time on our physical earth 2000 plus years ago. And it's a reminder that he will one day come again and right all the wrongs and make all things new. And that we live in the middle of that, the already not yet season, the pregnant season of anticipation. Okay. So a few practical tips on what you can do to recognize Advent. Of course, I'll get into like the nuts and bolts of how my book could help. But in terms of just more of a posture, I would say one thing you could do, because we all know Christmas, the the season leading up to Christmas involves a lot of gift buying, right? So consider not only buying less, buying fewer gifts altogether, but also buying early. I have started doing my absolute best to get as much Christmas shopping done as early as I can, sometimes before Advent if I can help it. And I would recommend doing that so that you are not spending Advent um, looking at all the pretty packages out there, you know, so to speak, figuratively. And instead, having more time to breathe and more time, more space to uh, look inwardly. So that's an option for you. And I'm not saying you need to be a purist about that. I still shop. I absolutely still shop after Advent begins. But that could be a way to to help your heart look more inward and to slow down. Another thing is to slow down or at least trickle down, trickle out slowly the Christmas stuff quote. And you know what I mean by the Christmas stuff that looks like movies, making gingerbread houses, making cookies, having people over, doing some form of gift swap, all the events. If there's a way you can slow them down and perhaps even delay them to the 12 days of Christmas, then that further helps elevate the season of Advent truly as a season of inward preparation and not just outward preparation. Again, don't be a purist about this. There are things that are just going to happen, right? Your kid's choir concert is going to be sometime before Christmas Day, and that's perfectly fine. You are going to just have to live in the real world. And again, the liturgical calendar is a gift. It's not a checklist. So it's okay. And then another way you can do this is incorporate more Advent-driven music instead of purely Christmas carol style music. Again, not a purist, but there's a lot of great music that we are bereft of that points to a more Advent-y posture. And by delaying some of those joy to the world type carols to the 12 days of Christmas, you get to fully enjoy those Advent songs that sometimes go unheard or at least less heard. I have a Advent playlist that is in tandem with my book, Shadow and Light. It's free for everybody out there on Spotify. So, and and I will link to all this in the show notes. So that could be an option starting to play that. Now, speaking of shadow and light, another thing I highly recommend doing is some form of remembering daily. So remember what we talked about with the word remember, you're remembering, you're putting back together daily. You are re-reminding your body and soul that Christ did come and that he will come again. So if you're like me, your brain is very fickle and you need that constant reminder. A little bit every day is is just what I need. Now, I've mentioned before many times that I wrote the book Shadow and Light, A Journey into Advent, because I could not find the the book I was needing. I wanted something open and go. I wanted something easy, yet rich, so not just shallow. 
and I wanted something meaningful, but I didn't want my kids to feel like they needed to have their theology degrees before we could just talk about Advent. And I wanted something that if the inevitable busyness of life creeps in and we need to, quote, skip a day or two or three, it's okay. We could just turn the page and pick up where we left off. So that is ultimately why I wrote Shadow and Light. And there are lots of resources out there. You don't need my book, Shadow and Light, but it might help. For each day of Advent, I invite you to participate by doing five simple things. The first one is lighting a candle, and I talk about what that means a little bit more in the book. Reading a part of scripture. And in this book, we're reading the Psalms. I add a brief commentary or a few thoughts. And then there is a communal or reflection question. You can either ask each other as a family, or if you're doing the solo, you can journal. And then at the end, there is listening and reflecting. So a song of the day per my Advent playlist, as forementioned, as well as a piece of classic art that I have also linked in the Advent Books main page. And that is it. It's There's no crafts, even though I'm all about blessing you crafty types. Uh, it is very much accessible to all of us in our busy lives. So with that in mind, I thought I would read just a few paragraphs from the book's beginning and then wish you well as you continue on this holiday weekend and we move forward. So the part I'm about to read is just a few paragraphs explaining what ultimately became the impetus for why I wrote this book, but really and truly a little bit of my backstory before I became Catholic, before even we became Anglican before that, and why the liturgical calendar really spoke to me even as someone who did not grow up with it at all. I truly wanted to recognize the spirit of Advent, even though I didn't understand it. And the internet gave me a plethora of ideas like hanging homemade ornaments on a Jesse tree or following a streamlined advent calendar with activities I had chosen for daily holiday merrymaking. Well, these ideas left me exhausted, resentful, and befuddled about the actual purpose of advent in our life, and therefore eager for the holidays to just end already. My spirit wanted to honor advent because it would bring more depth and meaning to Christmas, but I couldn't figure out how to, quote, do it the way that would work best. Our family eventually shifted to simply lighting Advent candles at home each week, building up to the culmination of Christmas Day when all five candles would finally glow. This was much better. It felt less pressured, less complicated, and more reverent, quiet, reflective, soulful. For the sake of our three kids, I wanted each gathering to have meaning. I didn't want us to light a candle, say, well, that's nice, then hear someone ask to pass the butter. So we added a devotional reading to our candle lighting ritual. We tried quite a few books meant for reading aloud as a family, and some were better than others, but there were two problems. We couldn't find one that rested on a simple but historical and ecumenical explanation of Advent, and the pressure was still too much. Sometimes our readings were confusing for the younger set, so we would then read a child-oriented book, but those were watered down and belittling. Plus, with our three children spanning five years, each one was in a different developmental stage. What worked for our oldest was over the head for our youngest, and what could have passed for our youngest was eye-roll worthy for our oldest. I just wanted something simple, something that spoke to me as an adult who longed for an invitation to focus on the incarnation of Christ, and something that spoke to my growing children as well. I wanted something rich, but nothing so theologically dense that it was a slog. 
And to be honest, we needed something quick. Our kids have school and extracurricular activities during Advent, so by the end of the day, our bodies are tired and our minds are restless. I wanted something steeped in mystery but fuss-free, something that would help us savor the anticipation of Advent as we ended our evenings. This book is the result of honoring our need to venerate the true season of Advent as separate from Christmastide without complicated cultural pressure or excess activity. It leans heavily on the artistry of others and on the good work of the historic church mothers and fathers who have already laid the foundation. Advent has grown in my life from a meaningless holiday word to my favorite liturgical season of the year. My prayer for you is that the words on these pages will give you the freedom you need to dive fully into this blessed season of waiting in anticipation. So with that in mind, I wish you a very happy upcoming Advent. We will be back here soon enough with another episode of A Drink with a Friend. So I will see you in two weeks. Have a great weekend.